Hey, hey, and welcome. My name is Luke Cheney, and this is the show where I tell my guests that the world is ending and that they must choose the movies that shape their lives and place them into their own capsule. Today, we are talking with actor Jamie Martz. He has worked on big sets in both film and TV, and in this episode, he'll talk about his working experience with director Sam Mendes. He's going to reveal how he ended up working with Sam on the movie Jarhead, and he's got a little tidbit about John Krasinski for you Office fans. And then he'll also tell us about his pet peeves when it comes to filmmakers. Get ready for some F-bombs to be dropped. Here we go. It is time to talk about movies. All your favorites, all your loved ones. We will hear them and we'll cheer them. It is time for Movie Time Capsule. Today, I have with me an actor. You've seen him on American Horror Story, NCIS. CSI, Major Crimes, and one of my favorite TV shows, 24. The person to first capture Jack Bauer is my old friend, my creative collaborator. Welcome to the show, Jamie Mart. How Thank you doing? You, sir. Happy to be here. Thank you. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Always, always happy to nerd out about movies. It's good to see your, your face again, even in the, the virtual world. Nobody can see it now, but I'm dressed to the nines full makeup on here. I was ready to go. I thought this was a, a, a video element here. I love the I'm monocle looking, that you're wearing. It's a great, face. great touch. My facial hair is perfect. I'm not wearing pajamas right now. <laughs> Always impressive. Jamie, um, well, I think we should just get right into it. We've already bullshitted enough on, on the before the recording button happened. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we did. All my, all the sordid details of my life. Now let's talk about my, uh, my honest, I, I am nothing if not highly opinionated about things. So let's uh, let's do this. That's why you're here. All right. What's the first movie you ever purchased with your own money? Ooh, the first movie I ever purchased with my own money. Wow. Let's see. This was definitely back in the uh, back in the VCR days. It may have been Dazed and Confused. Oh yeah. Love that. that was one of one of my favorite movies uh and i was like on loop i'm, I'm gonna go with days to confuse probably hell yeah did you get the soundtrack it. with it did you buy the cd with it this may have been prior to cds for all i know this may have been cassette t- <laughs> cassette tape a while ago uh i did at one point in time i had the uh i had some sort of hard copy version of the soundtrack great soundtrack uh i think now i rock the digital version but uh yes i did i did have that yeah, That's amazing, amazing soundtrack. Mm-hmm. You got Aerosmith to do the opening song. Uh, oh, yeah, the, the opening song to Aerosmith. And then, obviously, uh, you got Alice Cooper. Um, yes. uh, so, it's so good. The, the opening scene with the slow motion, with the tires coming in, with the oh, it's just so good. It's such a great, you know, it's just, it's so nostalgic. I mean, I'm so married to that movie. It might be a crap movie for all I know. I don't care. I love every moment of it. So the one thing that is so... I love about the movie is that what is the main character, the kid's name Wally or whatever, how he always touches his nose. Like there's, a, you're going to get, if you do a drinking game where he's always touching his nose, you're drunk by, by 30 minutes into it. Oh yeah. Uh, he must've just been an editor's nightmare. If, if, <laughs> if, because he must've been touching his nose in every take because everything's like, oh, yeah. oh, oh, it's so annoying how he does it every time. Every I, time, every time he can't get away from it. Well, considering that it's Linkletter, I think that kid was probably, it was probably his first time acting. So he was just like had a nervous twitch. And, yeah. I mean, at yeah. this, I've actually been in that situation. I lucked out where I did a, I did a really, really bad horror movie called 
was that frozen kiss and i had some some ticks in that it did there's nervous ticks as an actor where you're, when you're an actor you just sometimes you just don't know what to do with your hands yeah. that's why you see brad pitt eating all the time because he doesn't know he just that every single thing that brad pitt does is eating because he doesn't know what to do with his hands yeah. watch it there are memes about how much he eats in movies because he doesn't know what to do with his hands and it's just one of those things where like no you feel awkward and weird and so you just develop these tics where you're like uh, if you're a face toucher i happen to be a face toucher you know i'm always doing like this if if you aren't conscious of that as an actor you're going to do it in every single take and so my, the director actually uh sat down with me and showed me some daily he's like you got to stop doing this because you're <laughs> doing it in every take and this was like we shot a full-length movie in, in in like seven days and this was before this was prior to like when you could do it on your phone so now you shoot things so cheaply and quickly now but this was prior to that this was a while ago. this was 2000 and actually this was probably 30 i think this was before my daughter was born. So it was probably about 14 years ago or something. So it was not the digital age right, as it is now. Um, but there was one scene when I was wearing a jacket and we were running into something and then we were going so fast when we, we ran out and I wasn't wearing it or something. And I was like, I, I, he was like, okay, moving on. I was like, Oh shit. I forgot my jacket. And I'll never, I'll never forget his eyes. Like ah, continuities for pussies moving on. I was like, oh. Okay. Like, yeah, if it doesn't bother you, it doesn't bother me. Okay. <laughs> that was the two, the two greatest lessons I learned. Uh, I learned from that director. Don't touch your face so much because it'll be impossible to edit around that. And yeah. continuities for pussies. Continuities for pussies. <laughs> Burned into my brain. I was just, I, I vividly remember that moment. Be like, oh, I fuck, I fucked it all up. I didn't wear my jacket. Didn't matter. All right. And you know what? If you watch that movie, you're never going to know. It's so bad. That's the last thing you're worried about is what I'm wearing. <laughs> what was the name of this movie? It's called Frozen Kiss. Frozen Kiss. Was Seal, was he on the soundtrack for that one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I don't think we could afford, uh, we couldn't afford his lunch, that movie. I love that. The director was a cool guy, but it was, it was, it was, a, it was a bad movie. Uh, this reminds me of when we shot our little short film, um, Simpler Times, you had a cigarette for the uh, the final scene, which is like a five minute long take, and you lit it, you smoked it once, and then for five minutes you never smoked it again. It just sat there and and. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I forgot about that, man. I'd love to say that was the last cigarette that I ever smoked. <laughs> what movie would you show someone uh, who's having a bad day or a bad week? What would you show someone to cheer them up? Man, that's a good question. I would say. I'm going to go old school, man. I love old school. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. That's the comedy school. I've seen probably the most on, on repeat. It's so good. It's so good. And you forget how good it is. Uh, I'm here for the gangbang. <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie. No, this is good. Go with this. This is good. You said some really crazy stuff. Uh, yeah. I love that. That's uh, so I'm going to go old school. You cannot have a bad day watching that movie. No. Yeah. That was when I discovered Vince Vaughn, how good he was as an actor. Come on, Daniel, swingers, come on. You mean like comedically? Sure, maybe comedically. But yeah, he's, no, he's, I, didn't, I didn't see swingers until like 2009 what? or 10. No, yeah, yeah. I'm like, actually, I'm like, God, maybe swingers was the first movie I purchased. No, maybe it was the second one because I was, uh, yeah, swingers is right up there with Days of Confused. Swingers, because that came out right around the time when I was coming to L.A., and so I was mystified by what it was like to be an actor in LA. And so I just ate that up and loved it. 
And I remember, uh, I remember, I know we're getting off topic here. We're veering, we're veering away from, from my answer to your question. Uh, but that's what you signed up for when you, when you talked to me. <laughs> I, I remember buying that movie and showing it to some friends who weren't in the industry in like Florida. And I don't think I even got it. And it was one of those things where you're watching a movie that you love and you're trying to get people's reaction on it. And they just didn't get it. And it was so disappointing. Oh. Uh, but that movie, if you're in the industry, if you're like, you, you have to know you had, you had to be in LA at that time period to know the, the significance of having the pink dot delivery and the pink dot guy. Like now <laughs> nobody gets what pink dot was. Pink dot was amazing. Like when I moved to LA in the late nineties and they're like, you can call this number and they will bring you whatever you want at any time of the day, cigarettes, alcohol, food, doesn't matter. You call that. I mean, now it's like Postmates, but like with that, at that point, I'm like, holy shit. It's like a magic phone number. I'll call Pink Dot for it. It's amazing. But to get back to your original question, uh, old school for sure. Vince Vaughn is the fucking man. He was, yeah, he's the best part of that movie for me. That's he's the guy. You think I like hanging out here with you guys? Like, you can like giving up time with my with my wife and kids to hang out with you guys. Earmuffs. <laughs> what is the? Is there a movie that got you into acting or got you the uh, the acting bug? For me, it was actually a play. I, I uh, so I'll, I'll I'll try to to tie it in the movie in a second. But for me, it was uh, it was going down to because I used to live in, in Connecticut when I was in elementary school and every birthday, my parents would take us into New York city to see a, a play or a musical. We just got to pick it. And I saw into the woods with Bernadette Peters. Um, we saw the original cast or the second iteration very early on. So, it, and it just blew my mind. If you're familiar with that piece, you know, they, they have all the, all the fairy tales and, uh, and they sort of are, are going alongside each other and during the first act the second act they get all mixed up and twisted and as soon as they did that it blew my mind what you could do with writing and acting and i was like holy shit and i was like eight or nine i don't know and so, so it was that point i wanted to i wanted to be an actor but movies were just always a part of our lives when i was growing up and so i i think that it wasn't movies that gave me the bug but it definitely was um uh, i definitely when i wanted to be an actor it was more of a i wanted to come out to la to do that version of it I just saw movies were, were big with us back then. And so I just continued the bug. It, 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 it continued the infestation that started on Broadway. <laughs> Is there a, a style of acting that you gravitate towards the most? Uh, it's all tools in a toolbox. I mean, I, you, I don't really subscribe to the, you know, what is known as the method where you just are completely immersed in the character. Mm -hmm. um, I'm much more of a, you know, Stella Adler, which is uh, script analysis, Really, all of it is, is it all boils down to the same thing, just a truthful, a truthful moment, just being true in the moment. Sometimes you need to harness something that happened to you to get the correct emotion. Sometimes you need to substitute somebody on somebody else. If I'm going to get pissed off at you and I just happen to be mad at somebody that day, I'll put there, I'll, I'll envision you being them and I'll get really pissed off at you. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but for at the end of the day, it's probably more Meisner based where it's a lot more of imagination, you know, what if, you know, putting yourself in that, in that situation at the end of the day, it's really just trying to try not to anticipate what happens um, really responding to, to what you say in the moment. And it's exquisite listening. That was a teacher. Um, Alan Feinstein was one of my first acting teachers and he, and he, uh, and his thing was exquisite listening. And, and it, that really taught me just to listen to what the other person's saying. And it's a, you know, it's, it's difficult, but it's also very simple at the same time. So you have to, you have to build the toolbox. You have to go through all this stuff. You have to have that formal training and you have to learn to just kind of let it go and be in the moment. And when you're on set, 
you you learn from everybody else. I mean, I've had the benefit of working with some really amazing actors, like on, on Jarhead, working with working with Jamie Foxx and Jake Gyllenhaal and Peter Sarsgaard, and looking and learning how they did things, and learning from Sam Mendes, and even learning from uh, from Roger Deakins, the cinematographer, amazing yeah. cinematographer, one of my favorite ones. He's but just you just when you're a young actor, you just just absorb everything. You just try to suck it all up and see how everybody else works. Uh, and then you sort of figure out, okay, how, what do I want to do? How are they preparing for this, high, for this highly emotional moment? And sometimes you're not going to get it right. Sometimes you just do a shit job and that's, it just fucking happens. You yeah. know? It's, it's, a, it's a job and sometimes you're just not there emotionally, but you can't get down on yourself. If you're, if you're trying to cry, you're not going to cry. Just be truthful to the moment. Cause the worst thing you can do is, is bring on those alligator tears and just, and be fake. Acting is, is a weird job. It's the one job ever where your job is to be emotional. It's kind of a, a weird way to think about it, but like, yeah, it's a job where your duty is to provide emotion. It's so weird to think about it that way. Like it's like in friends, there was a line of friends where Joey says, I'm an actor. I got to get my emotions right on the surface. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and that's the case. I mean, you just have to be open, open to it. And there are some things that are easier than others. So, you know, it's, some, it's easy to get angry. Sometimes it's easy to cry for some people. Uh, so it's just, it's just being trying to be emotionally available and constantly working on being able to perform under different circumstances, being able to, to perform when it's 20 degrees outside and you've got one more take before the sun comes up and it's a night scene. And so there's all these pressures or when you're losing light and it, that's, that's the worst when you're trying to rush, 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 rush. You have like one take to get it right because you're losing light. And then it's, it, you're, the day is fucked if you don't get this take done. So there's a lot of other, other technical aspects that come into it, but yeah, it's, it's, it's not easy, man. Yeah. But when fun. you, when you did a jarhead with Sam Mendes, was there any like one moment where you're like, Oh shit, this guy is a genius or I've, or I've never been directed this way before. Cause he was fresh off of his Oscar win right before that movie. I think, right. He, he did American he, he Beauty. American, and, he, he, he won for American Beauty before then. Um, I was just enamored of him the whole time. I remember when I got that role, I actually didn't even, I didn't even have a job yet. I remember I auditioned for that for, for so long, just auditioning for a different role, a different role, a different role. Um, and they were having the table read for the movie at shutters in Santa Monica, which is a hotel in Santa Monica. And uh, I hadn't gotten the role yet, but they were getting the whole cast together. And there's an actor, Lucas Black, who was out on a press tour for Friday Night Lights because he was a lead in the movie version of Friday Night Lights. And if you know Lucas, he's got a thick Southern accent. So his character is a real thick Southern accent. And they just needed somebody to step in for, for him for the table read. And they actually they asked me to come in and do the table read for his role. And, uh, and I was like, e, fuck yeah, I will. Uh, <laughs> so I went in the afternoon down to shutters and walk in the room. And it's this huge, uh, boardroom with this magnificent spread of food and these long tables and you walk in. And the first thing I see is Sam Mendes comes towards me, gives me a big hug, says, thank you so much for doing this. I've seen your audition tapes. They're wonderful. Thank you so much. I'm like, <laughs> I've, I've, I've seen your movies. They're okay too. <laughs> no problem. I'm happy to be here. Um, and so, and, and that I was, you know, that was just the most amazing experience. And then I had to leave there and go and do my waiter gig at nighttime. And I was the, probably the worst asshole at my job. <laughs> that night because I was like, do you know where I was before I came <laughs> to help you get your food? Do you have any idea? 
<laughs> bullshit. Um, but I, I, I was enamored of him the whole time. He really, he, uh, he's got such a presence and he, but he comes from the theater. And so he's so sure of what he wants. He's got a great commanding presence of every cast member. He knows how to talk to actors. Uh, and that's one one thing that I try to do as a director is you just draw from your knowledge of not every actor speaks exactly the same language and needs to uh, and, and to be able to get what you need from different people. Uh, he just he was so malleable in his in his his specific actions to get his final vision. Um, and so I would say the entire fucking time I was I was just it was a I learned more on that set than. Then I did uh, oh theater school. I mean, it was just such a joy to be on that set. Uh, Dennis Haysbert was on that, and he was fantastic. And uh, just picking up little bits and pieces. I remember playing. I remember beating Dennis Haysbert in ping pong. He won't remember, but I remember beating Dennis Haysbert in ping pong <laughs> on that set. Yeah, but he's he's a genius for sure. Love the guy. He's just he's so gracious and so generous, and so generous with his time. Because I mean, there was there were a lot of actors who were who were fresh there, and and some and some were having trouble with their lines at certain points. And he was just so he was very patient with every single person, regardless mm-hmm. of the fact that it was like a I think it was an eighty five million dollar movie, whatever it was at that point in time. And uh, you know, he didn't have to to dick around with with day players, but he 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 did. He gave everybody their their time. John Krasinski was in that movie. No, what? I remember having a conversation with John Krasinski on that movie. He had just done the pilot for The Office. This is, again, dating this out how long ago it was. And he was like, yeah, I just did this pilot for this TV show, The Office. I, I don't know if it's going to get picked up. I don't, I don't know. Like, like now, flat, fast forward to now, you're like, you fucking kidding me? But it was just, it was cool. Just chilling in trailers with these people who ended up, you know, ended up having, having phenomenal careers now. It's great. That is great. And that just goes to show you never know who always be a gentleman on set, always just be so nice to people and, and learn from every single person. Cause yeah. he was a genius back then. He was just, he was so great with improv back then. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's great advice. If, if there's one thing you learn when you come to LA or New York, like it's a small circle and you're going to bump into everyone again and again in your life. So just be kind and be a gentleman and be respectful yeah. and, yeah, you'll see that person again in life sometime. Will you absolutely will see them absolutely? And I, I'm still still friends with that guy with the guys from that time. We spent five months together, three and a half months in the fucking desert together. So we uh, <laughs> yeah. middle of nowhere. Uh, so yeah, you form bonds and you see people again. So just don't be a, don't be a shithead and you'll, you'll be fine. Yeah. Jamie, what's the movie that scares you the most? That scares me both now or scared me the most in my entire life. Uh, I'll go with entire life. I had a conversation. Okay. So there was, I saw two like really crappy horror movies back in the day. Uh, one was creep show. I think where it was, or it was like, or it was like, maybe it was tales of the crypt. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I, there was a, it was either creep show or tales of the crypt where it just freaked the hell out of me to see this, the, the, the makeup and this grotesque old man. No, but the one that, the one that really did. Oh man. Okay. There was a movie that was about this horror movie about these, these slugs that would jump in your mouth and they would like go into your body and turn you crazy. Night of the creeps. Yes. Oh my God. I can see the preview now. Okay. So that's where I got, that's where I got a creep show from night of the creeps, night of the creeps, 1986 with alien brain parasites entering humans through their mouth, turn their host into a killing zombie. That movie in 1986, when I was 
eight years old freaked the goddamn hell out of me. <laughs> Holy cow. Uh, I got so freaked out about it. I think my baby started let me watch it. And I got so freaked out about it. My dad had to like sit me down that night because I couldn't sleep. And he's like, it's a movie. Okay. You know, it's a, you're watching it because they had to put it on film. They had to, somebody had to sit there and tape it. So you know that it's fake because they had to actually had to tape Produce it. it. So, yeah. yeah, exactly. So it was, my dad had to walk me through like what a movie was at that point in time in my eight-year-old brain. <laughs> yeah. So Night of the Creeps, 1986, that freaked the hell out of me. That, that paid for my, that, that caused my future therapy bills to skyrocket. <laughs> I'm going to have to check out that trailer and see what that's all about. Night of the Creeps. All right, let's go in the reverse direction. Um, what's the movie that makes you cry? This one I did look at and go, oh, this is going to be, a, this is, so I'm a, I'm a huge sap. So there's, there's a two parts to this question. There's like ugly cry, like I like deeply emotional cry. And there's more of like a, like a tear stream. I'm a sucker for anything sappy. So any Disney movie will get me. What fucking, you, you know, inside out, when yeah. when Bing Bong doesn't make it up, man, that gets me every goddamn time, man. Yeah. When he doesn't, when he fades off, I'm just like, oh, I can't handle that. I love it, but I can't handle that. Oh, you know, at the end of Coco, I was I ugly cried in front of my kids uh, in the movie. <laughs> that one, I was like, oh, that got me. So any, they hit you right in the feels. Those those Pixar movies, they know the formula, guys. So those are, those are, and, and I'm I'm a sucker for Elf. Every time an Elf when they when they start singing. Uh, you know, at the very end, at the very end, when they start singing and the, and the Santa sleigh kicks in, when Jimmy Khan starts singing and they take off, that gets me every goddamn <laughs> time. I mean, I can't, I can't, I love it so much. Wow, I never it. knew you were a softie like this. Oh, yeah, I am. I, it gets me every time. Um, but the one that makes me like, I mean, the what the movie that's made me cry the absolute most is uh, is Marriage Story, having having been through multiple wives uh that one i had to watch alone because i knew it would get me and i it just i that was gut-wrenching it was a beautiful movie i i'm not like a huge fan of noah bombach i think some of his earlier stuff is a little pretentious but i think that that one was for me was so personal it was so good adam driver was so good at good in it johansson was so good in it and like there are moments in that where I'm like, this is, this is bad. I've literally had this conversation because when you, because the feeling of when you've gone through a divorce, the feeling of, you know, losing control of or losing grip on your kids and not being able to see your kids. It just, it cut me right to the core. So that, so marriage stories made me cry more than anything else. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's a sad cry, but the like, like the little happy cry uh, would be the Pixar would be Bing Bong. Bing Bong, not making it up. <laughs> Bing Poor Bong, Bing Bong. Yeah, Marriage Story, I really enjoyed that movie. Um, a lot of people said that they did not like it or not entertained by it. I was like, it was something just it was something so true to life about that movie that just kind of gripped me. It was written from a place of truth. I mean, no, he went through his own his own yeah. stuff. Uh, so it definitely came from a, it was written from a place of honesty. I loved it. I thought Adam Driver was fantastic. It was just, it, for me, great movie. Great movie, I thought. So there's something about that movie. I I watched it twice in the same year, which I don't do with any any movie. And I was just like, fucking every line of that movie is just like, yes, yes, yes. Every, there's no line wasted, and very few movies can do that. Yeah, absolutely. Let's move on to. I know you've got two kids. Mm -hmm. They are a boy and a girl, ten and thirteen, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. 
uh, I'm sure you've shown some of your some of your favorite movies to them, but what haven't you shown them yet that you are excited to show your kids? I will build up to that. One of my one of the things I I was the thing I was most excited to show them was Star Wars stuff when they were younger. Yeah. And they dug it. They kind of liked it. The thing that I was most successful in passing along my love for were the Back to the Future movies. They love those movies. I've seen those over and over and over and yes. over again. They'll, they'll watch those any time of the any time of the day. Love it. So I succeeded as a father with that. But I'm looking for one of the movies that made, and I will probably not succeed with this next one because it's so personal. But Major League, for me, growing up in Cleveland, uh-huh. when Major League came out, growing up in Cleveland. That meant everything to us because, you know, <laughs> since then we've won a basketball championship and we've had a good run. We had a good run with LeBron and we're having a good run with the Browns. But, you know, growing up there in, in the in the mid 90s, it was awful uh, <laughs> from a sports perspective. So when that movie came out, it meant everything to the city, which is why I love Dennis Haysworth so much, because he was he was Pedro Serrano in that movie. And and he they, he even said he can still go to Cleveland and uh, and never pay for a meal <laughs> in his life because people love that movie so that movie for me i'm cleveland to the core yes and that movie is such an emotional connection to me because i remember watching it with my parents multiple times and we, we went to the movie the movie theater several times to go see it uh, it meant everything to me as a as a cleveland boy uh, and so i want to show that one day clearly that is not a movie that they can see yet no. uh because they will not understand it yet there's and there's also some i think it's probably rated r or something i don't know there's there's some sex in there uh, so I want, I want them to love it as much as I love it, which probably will not be possible. No. So I'm excited to show them that one day when they're older, but I think I, I, nothing will be as successful as me showing them the, the, the back to the future movies. I mean, that's love number three. I even love number three, even though it's the worst <laughs> from a film perspective, it's not a good movie, but it's so it's, if you just, if you love back to the future, you love all of them. I always dislike three until the last two years where I rewatched it again. We did, Jessica had never seen it. My wife, um, we did, she had seen one, but she'd never seen two and three. So we did like a trilogy over the weekend. And I was like, damn, three is, I think the most emotional for me because like you really see Doc and Marty's bond kind of come to life. Yeah, it, it, It's one where it's like, there's so many, there's so many like coincidences. There's so many coincidences. You're like, okay, sure. This now this. So, you know, obviously whatever, it's not like it's, you know, we need Oscars for that, but yeah, it is. It's it's a fun. The, the third one for me was just so fun. Yeah, uh, and and so it, it clearly it's not as good as the first one, obviously, but uh, it's yeah, they they love those movies. So that's great. I'm glad that they hear they liked it. I, maybe one day the oh, no, they didn't really dig the Indian. I love like growing up, we we watched Indiana Jones a lot, and so I loved like Temple of the Doom. I I, I loved Te- uh, Temple of Doom more when I was a kid because I didn't quite get Raiders. Now as I'm older, I I I, I can go back and I, I Raiders is by far the best one, obviously. <laughs> obviously, anybody's listening. So maybe when they're older, I want them to appreciate the how good Raiders of the Lost Ark is when they're older. Yeah. That's yeah, that's up in my top four of everything. So good. It's so good. But I just liked the the pageantry of of uh, uh, pageantry might not be the right word, but those those high those moments in in Temple of Doom with like the bugs. And you know the kid with the with with the the boxes on his feet driving the car, <laughs> and then obviously the 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 swordsman and the ripping the heart out of it. So there's a lot of like visual things that as a kid I was like, oh, that's so cool. Yeah. And they had the the temple the Temple of Doom video game that I used to play at uh, at the Seven Eleven with my Slurpee with my blue raspberry <laughs> Slurpee. In hand. 
so that's that's one thing. So I would like them to love those movies one day as well, as much as I do. But I don't think I haven't really committed to to get into watch that yet. My kids are the TikTok generation, man. They have no attention span. Uh, oh, yeah. so to get them to sit down and watch a full movie is is a feat. And when they will sit down and watch it and pay attention to it, uh, that is something else. Is there any character in any movie that you relate to, or maybe it was just maybe an earlier point in your life where you're like, oh yeah, that's me. That's my, that's my story. Yeah. Adam Driver, marriage story. No. Um, uh, okay. So a char- character in a movie that's me, that I, that I associated to as me. Huh. My mind keeps coming back to Tom Hanks. I want to say Tom Hanks in big. Okay. Because I have always been, you know, now after years and years and years of uh, being a dad, you know, you sort of take more responsibility, but at heart, I'm just a kid. Uh, I'll, I say what's on my mind and really it's, I'd say, I'd say Tom Hanks in big youthful personality, even though, you know, he's whatever, 12 year old in an adult's body. So it's, you know, that could, that could sort of be me. <laughs> That's saying about me. <laughs> Um, but when I was, I loved that character. So growing up, that was just, I absolutely loved, loved that. So growing up, yeah, that one now probably, you know, fucking Brad Pitt and, and Fury. <laughs> but, uh, then it's now, now it's, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll say, I'll say big, big kid. He big did kid. have the coolest mind. So truthful, such a, you know, sweet guy and means well makes mistakes. He makes, he's not perfect. He makes mistakes, but he's loyal to the core. And, you know, at the end of the day, charm and love and youthfulness win out. Wow. Yeah. That's oddly a great answer. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. Uh, he had the coolest. I was like, whenever, when I watched a movie as a kid, I was like, when I grow up, I want his loft apartment bedroom. Oh my God, yeah, absolutely. Trampoline. <laughs> You know, yeah. pinball, rollerblading inside the house. Love that. I love it when he brings the. I've got. I, I forget. I forget the actress name. But when they go home for the first time, and she's like going home, then thinks that she's going going home with an adult. And it's like, he's like, "Can I sleep over?" He's like, "Okay, but I'm on top. I'm. I gotta be on top." <laughs> <laughs> and then he gives her the glow in the dark ring. compass ring. Yeah. Yes, of course. Like a gentleman, so you don't like get lost. Yeah. Exactly. Gentlemen, oh. through and through. Um, is there a documentary that has changed your life or how you interact with the world? I did. I did see this one on the list. Um, I wouldn't say I'm not. Uh, I'm a big fan of documentaries, but I, I'm not really. I don't avidly watch them. The one that affected me in the moment was uh, Game Changers. Was it a Game Changers or Game Changer? It was the one about um, vegan diets in in, uh, in sports figures, and it basically there are some professional uh, athletes who are vegans and it sort of tracked their production. It was, it was an advocate. It was like, you know, seeped in pseudoscience. So what, so I'm not, you know, it not really committing to the entire thing, but that affected me enough to consider to, it really switched my mindset about, about food and how that affects uh, performance and how that perfects everything. It, you know, there's an aspect of like sexual performance in there too. So, so it really, it makes you think about what am I putting into my body I was vegan for a little bit after that. Then I switched to veg. I was vegetarian because that movie, I would have loved to have been vegan, but I'm lazy and I love cheese. So I was, <laughs> I was 
vegan for a short hot minute. And then I was like, I need cheese in my life. And so then I was vegetarian from, oh man, eight or nine months, probably almost a full year of being a vegetarian. Um, before I was like, I just need, I, I ran out of things to make, you know? So I was like, yeah. I, need, I need protein. I need meat in my life again. What were uh, the benefits of it that you felt? Did you like, could you get like the energy? Yeah, boost? But it reprogrammed me to understand like, okay, what is it like, you know, what does it mean to be full? You know, I don't need to eat till my stomach is complete. I'm a, I'm a Midwest boy. So we would eat till our stomachs were about ready to explode and yeah. you eat fast because if you don't eat your food, someone else can eat your food. You eat like you're in a prison, you, know, you protect <laughs> it and you like shovel it in your mouth. <laughs> uh, and so when I grown up as a football player in the Midwest, you eat like two breakfasts, two lunches, two dinners, dessert all the way through. So you're eating. So it, it retrained my mind about food and how food relates to me. And it's a good documentary. Um, I, I encourage everybody to watch it again. It's coming from a very specific point of view. Yeah. Uh, so I would watch it with an open mind to that as well. Well, you know, a little bit, a little bit, a little skepticism doesn't, you know, would help you out with that. But I would say that, uh, Game changers, game changers or game changer, singular or plural. I forget what it is, but that's the one I watch. Yeah. I mean, I applaud you for, for doing that. I've always, you know, I think we all want to give it an attempt to be, you know, gluten-free or vegan. Yeah. I've just never been able to kick it. My mindset was like, if there's not a meat in this meal, it will not fill me up. Mm -hmm. And and that was always the way it was. And so that, that helped me a lot actually. And it it definitely helped me become a more healthy eater. And it, it does. I mean, you, whatever you put in your body, man, you get out what you put into it. So. That's right. That's right. That's the one. There's the answer right there. You got very, it. Very cool. Game changer or game changers. We'll, 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 fit. we'll, well I don't it'll be on the website. We'll put it on up there later. There you go. All right. Perfect. <laughs> um, what's the one movie that is for sure going to give you goosebumps every time you watch it? Fear goosebumps or excitement goosebumps or anything goosebumps. It can be taken a multitude of ways. So it's, it's up to you. The good ones or the scary ones goosebumps every time i watch the truthful answer is one i already gave major league okay because that 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 except when when charlie sheen comes out as wild thing when he walks out and wild thing kicks in right away i mean i would get goosebumps right now talking about it (laughs) but when that when that door opens and he walks out in the game against the yankees man i am getting goosebumps right now talking about it and the song kicks in and then a crowd goes wild and he's, it's that slow walk up there. And then he walks up to, um, he gets on the mound. And then, wow, I forget the actual name, but Dornan, the, the character Dornan, the shortstop, walks up to him and he's like banged his wife. And so, everyone, you know, everyone, everyone on the team is getting, getting nervous. And then, and then Dornan leans in and says, strike this motherfucker out. And it was just like <laughs> such a great moment. And it's such a great, yeah. So it's, that's. Love that movie. The moment when Charlie Sheen walks out to Wild Thing in Major League, that, that will give me goosebumps till the day I die. Till the day you die. So if I were to ask you, what's the best sports film of all time? Is that an instant Major League answer? Um, the best sports film of all time. Again, I mean, that's, I'm pretty biased when it comes to that. So there, there may be better ones. I mean, you got Field of Dreams. You got all sorts of other ones. I liked uh, Draft Day. Uh, I mean, Draft Day. Draft Day is again a Cleveland connection. So I love Draft Day. Oh. That's a good one. Um, I would say for me personally, Major League, Always and Forever, best sports movie because I'm pretty close to it. Um, Cleveland, Ride or Die. Absolutely. That's my answer. That's your everything. My episode. And that's my answer. 
what's the movie that you'll always remember because of the unique viewing experience that you saw it under and that you'll always um, hold it special to your memory? Hmm. Interesting. You're going to edit out this long pause uh, <laughs> as I sit here and ruminate about all the movies I watched my entire life uh, and all the experiences that, that like, this is why I love movies. I love movies, not just for the movie. I, I'm a somebody who I love. I love going to the theaters and being immersed in just the whole experience of going to the movie theater. And so, you know, watching Forrest Gump when I was a kid with my parents, I loved that. When I was, when I was, when my first marriage was not going so great and I just needed to get out and get some alone time. I was going to the gym and instead of going to gym, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I don't want to go to the gym right now. I'm going to go to a fucking movie. And it, it, I had never been to a movie by myself really before. Huh. And so that was when I was like, I just want to go see a fucking movie. So I went and saw Argo. I went and saw Argo by myself at one of the fancy like Cineopolis or whatever ones, like one of the fancy ones. I think I was like the only one in the movie theater. It was late at night. It was that movie theater that you could order like food or whatever, but I had a nice little cappuccino. Yeah. Um, so the experience of what I was going through my life at that point in time, where I just, everything was confusing. I couldn't make sense of anything. And I just wanted, and, and it was, it was taking that me time to go and watch that movie. And it was a great movie. The whole experience of just taking that time and having that, no one could fucking talk to me. And I was here and having this experience and it was so therapeutic just to get away from my problems and immerse myself in something that I love. Uh, just films and it was a great movie and it was a pretty damn good cappuccino so, <laughs> it was Argo so I'll say Argo by myself at the Cineopolis wherever the hell that place is called is that LA I don't know what that is uh, yeah it, no, it, was, it was up but yeah it's probably so it's probably so, so there I just can't I just don't even know how to pronounce it um, it's I think it was in like Westlake or Thousand Oaks or something like that okay it was in Westlake yeah that is the beauty of movies is you know, escapism and just kind of putting your world on hold or just excluding your, your stupid part of your brain that's bothering you and just giving yourself away exactly. to someone else's story. Exactly. Exactly. Man, it's so great. And so now I, I will always seem love seeing movies alone. It's kind of my preferred way to see movies. <laughs> 100%, 100 I don't have to explain anything to anybody. <laughs> just go at your own time. Don't worry. Don't worry about the snacks. Exactly. Exactly. I'm going to do what I want to do and go. Exactly. Right. Yeah. When I, when I moved to LA, I, I definitely, I didn't have a lot of friends, but I also saw a lot of movies about myself and it was, you know, it was like, this is my me time, but also the movies have always been a place of comfort. For sure. Absolutely. It, it, when you're, when you're in this business, when you have a love for movies, you just get to really drop in and you can just zone everything out. You don't have to think about this person here. What's the experience they're having, you know, taking my kids to movies, it was always sort of a production these days because that, well, obviously not these days, but even before, before the pandemic, because their attention spans are all out of whack and I got to make sure they get all the food and they're all situated and that sort of thing. So when I can just go and just, it's just for me, me time in the movies, prefer a way to do it. Being that you're a filmmaker and an actor, I know that for me, whenever I'm watching something, I start to dissect it or like think outside the frame and the, you know, the, the essence of movie magic kind of is not there all the time, but oh, for yeah, some yeah. really good movies, it's, it's there, like the frame disappears and you don't think about what the director's doing or what the composer's doing. Do you, 
do you have that same feeling like where you're like, Oh damn, this movie was so fucking good that I forgot about what I was doing. Absolutely. I, I, if there's a, if all the factors work together, I, now that I've like directed and everything, it really comes down to the director. If the director's vision is, is so on point, then I'll sort of lose all, all connection to it. Birdman. I love Birdman because I just thought it was so well done. Yeah. I'll talk about, you know, everything being in one shot that worked, that worked out really well. Yes. hundred percent. I, if, if the director is on point, that's what it comes down to. You, you I mean, you, because if anybody else gets their job right, but the director doesn't know what he's doing, shit's going to fall through. I mean, look at Blade Runner 2049 or whatever, the, whatever, what it yep. is. Good movie. Beautiful movie. Just mm-hmm. there's some, some parts where I was like, come on, dude, this wouldn't fucking happen. No. <laughs> so I'll, I have a high, uh, highly sensitive bullshit meter for stuff like that. Yeah. Even though visually beautiful, getting back to Roger Deakins, won the Academy Award for that. But rightfully so, because it was, it yes. was gorgeous. Um, a lot of actors that I love in there, but some were just like, I don't believe you. Yeah, I just couldn't get into Not that. Movie. Let him there for dead. You would have killed him. You would have killed Harrison Ford on the ground. You would just let him. Oh, I'm sure he's dead now. We can leave now. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so so. But again, it comes down to the director. It comes down to the director. Um, Fincher. Um, uh, I haven't seen Tenet, but no, Nolan's as as bloated sometimes as movies can be uh, with the, the layering of, of psychology inception. I'm just like, give me all of the director's visions. I will feast on the director's vision. If it's on point. Yeah. Tenant um, for me, I, I watched it not too long ago for the first time ever. And I had the same kind of reaction as everyone else did, which is, you know, not that great, but Nolan is such a fucking original storyteller that I was in it like the entire time. I'm just like, Yes. Like, you know how to tell a story and I am just moved by every visual that's going on. And yeah, yeah, he's one of a kind. I think that really it's because I want to be immersed in a world. If a director has a vision of a world, that's why Tarantino movies are so enjoyable. Like, okay, come on. Kill Bills are a little bit, they're a little bit like hokey in some some parts, but you got a vision, man. I'm buying into your vision. Um, Mm -hmm. That's why I'll, I'll subscribe to everything it does. That's why I loved Once Upon a Time in Hollywood so much is, is that it just, I'm, I'm a sucker for when you have your vision and you stick with it and you, oh, and you fucking just commit, commit. Exactly. When you commit to vision, I'm into it. And I like a director who has a high bullshit meter too. and doesn't let silly things go by. Like I hate watching a movie. I hate watching a movie and then go, how did nobody catch this? How did nobody say this is weird. This doesn't sound right. I watched Red Notice, SAS Red Notice the other day, and it was such a bad movie. But and like I sat there and go, there's there's so many really good actors in this movie. How come nobody <laughs> was like, this part kind of sucks? Like this dialogue doesn't really jive. Can I say something else? Um, because I've been in situations, even me, a nobody, I've been on set before and, been, and, and had the balls to be like, hey, um, I don't know if my character would say this. Uh, can we talk about this for a second? Because I think that this doesn't really jive. Like, like there's, it pisses me off so much when there's something that's so obvious that they wouldn't do it. And, ah, it's like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. How, because there's so many people involved in the movie making process. One person must have said, this part kind of sucks. This, this, (laughs) this is not, this doesn't make sense. And yeah. nobody was like, hey, um, sir, hand raised, um, 
I don't know about this thing. Are you sure you want this to happen? Because I don't know if that would make sense. And again, maybe somebody did. And, and the director was like, you know, the continuities for pussies sort of thing. Like, <laughs> uh, which rightfully so. Go for it. It's your it's your film. Uh, it but doesn't make sense how that gets through so many people. It has to pass through so many hands. So many people have to say yes to this. So many people have to look at this script and go, I want to I want to commit millions of dollars to this. It doesn't make sense. So when it could go through, I mean, so a lot of the, a lot of the big name ones, uh, I wasn't a big fan of, of the Irishman, but a lot of things that Scorsese does is, is fucking spot on. Give me Wolf Wall Street, fucking commit to a vision. Love. You know, so it, give me a, give me a director. Quiz vision. I don't even remember what the original question was, but you know, whatever. There we go. There's your answer. That was a, that was a side question. I forget what it was either. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're coming down to the final two questions here. What is the movie that you would choose if aliens came down, you're like, I'm going to show you what the good side of humanity looks like. What would you show to someone that would represent the good side of the world? Oh, wow. The good side of the world. Look, at the end of the day, any Pixar movie um, yes. is solid for that. Give me Forrest Gump, man. Give me Forrest Gump against Hell the yeah. Force force Gump all day if you want aliens to get a glimpse of of humanity, and then they're like, "Oh, okay, great. This is what humans are like. All right, they keep trying. Things just happen to them." I love Force Gump. That's my favorite movie. It's a really long movie with a great soundtrack. Another great soundtrack one, but yes, Force Gump. Force Gump. I think he, you know, he's he's you know somewhat similar to uh, the big character where he is just innocent and. Um, He's just trying to do the right thing. Innocent, just trying to do the right thing. Exactly. And put in and, and heroic. Yeah. Uh, and um, selfless and, and kind, selfless, loyal to a fault at times, but a good enough person, a good enough human being that he affects everybody around him and everybody around him is changed for the better because of it. So aliens would love that. movie. Yes. Tom Hanks at his finest. He can do it wrong in my eyes. He lived in he lived in Cleveland for a while doing doing theater in Cleveland back in the day. So oh, no way. Wrong in my eyes. I actually saw a one man show that he did back in Cleveland years and years and years ago. What? Yeah, he did a one man show about like the Cleveland Indians or something like that. I'm telling you, man, I'm Cleveland to the core. So, you yeah. are. Yeah, You'll be the mayor of Cleveland someday. <laughs> I don't. I don't want. To, <laughs> I don't live there. <laughs> Come on. I live uh, Cleveland's in my memory, but uh, yeah, actually, Cleveland's nice right now. I went, I went back in uh, 2016 when we won the basketball championship. It's good. It's cleaned up. It's good. It's a good city. Good place to grow up. Most of my family's not in Cleveland, but in Ohio. So there you go. I hear you. There you go. Perfect. All right, Jamie Martz, we've got one slot left in the capsule. What is your favorite movie? Dude, that's such a it's such a hard question. There's no one favorite movie. You got to have like yeah there's like a there's like a you can't make a top movie you can't make a top five you gotta have at least a top 10 man favorite movie what if i put it to you this way if you had to go into a bunker to live out the rest of this apocalypse what is the one movie that you could watch on repeat would never get old but it would always hit the right spot <laughs> wedding crashes no Wedding Crashers, hundred percent. Wedding Crashers. I'm a, I mean, if I'm gonna, I always. It, it's weird. Like, it, it's. I love all types of movies. I love deeply dramatic movies. But if I'm having a, you know, if, if I 
push comes to shove, I'll go comedy over drama any day. Uh, Wedding Crash is one I could just watch over and over and over and over again. So Wedding Crashers. That's it. That's the one. Hell yeah. I remember, I don't know why I remember this, but I remember I saw it in the theater and I remember coming out of theater and I was just like, this is what makes me want to make movies. It was just like hilarious yet beautiful and also a drama at the same time. It just had everything in it. Exactly. It's it, and it got great acting. It's just the, some really hilarious moments. Vince Vaughn at his finest. It's built for yeah. comfort or built for speed. You motivate, you motivate instead of a bitch. <laughs> you old sailor, you. Old sailor, you old sailor, you. Uh, it's just <sighs> it's, it's so on point. Isla Fisher, I'll find you. So <laughs> Come on. Rachel McAdams, he does it for me. He does it for me. So, yeah. Bradley Rule number. Complete fucking asshole. Love it. <sighs> and that's. Trip, Tripper. His name is Trip. Yeah. Christopher and... Walken. Oh yeah. Yeah. All right, Jamie, this is the end of your capsule. And since this is a low budget show, I need you to do the sound effect of the capsule closing. So whenever you're ready. <laughs> that was a, a, a loud mahogany. Perfect. That is great. Uh, Jamie, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a lot of, a lot of fun. My pleasure. Pleasure. I'm happy I had an answer for everything. You're going to have to cut out some pauses, but at least I came up with some stuff. Yeah. And you, and you winged it like a champ. Prep time zero. (laughs) (laughs) All right. If you want a recap of everything in Jamie's capsule, you can go to lukechaney.com slash MTC. And if you like this podcast, please rate it on Apple podcasts. It helps the show out tremendously. And uh, like usual, I will leave you with this final movie quote. And it is, you have no idea what I'm talking about, I'm sure. But don't worry, someday you will. <laughs>